whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Brought to you by Rock Antenna, Germany's number one rock radio station. Emerson Newstead, thanks uh, for taking the time nice and talking to shirt. us. Nice shirt, bro. <laughs> nice shirt. Favorite band. Yeah. Favorite band. Uh, I see how you are. I see how you are. <laughs> I cannot help it. <laughs> what, what are you currently up to, Mr. Newstead? I am doing what I always do. I play music every day. I make pictures. I uh, hang out with my dogs. I go in the water. I ride my bike. I love my wife. You know about that much. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a nice life. <laughs> It's not so bad. Not so bad. <laughs> well, you know, uh, obviously, we have to talk about the 30-year anniversary of the Black Record. And uh, so much has been written. So much has been said. Uh, so many myths are about the recording process and everything about this record, really. But uh, when you look back now, 30 years after, do you, do you like close out all the, you know, probably bad things that happened back then during the recording process and just go with the good things that, you know, remain for you? Or do you go like, no, it still was, it still was hard to do that one. It was hard work, but uh, I mostly remember good times anyway. You know, I don't remember a whole lot of negativity myself. I really don't. Um, the, the, uh, the opportunity that we were given at that time, you know, like everything that led up to that was pretty rapid type of recordings for me, dogs, demos, flotsam demos, yeah. uh, you know, anything that we played, we revisited, it was always very quick, a, a couple days in the studio and we're done. So this is a whole new approach. Yeah. You know, they, they set us up for success in a big way, dude, you know, so like taking the time to get the producer that could really make us sound like we sound live. Yeah. And I think that was Bob's goal, you know, that kind of thing. So I remember mostly good times anyway. And uh, at, you think about what, when I was 28 years old, you know, we had just kind of all become multimillionaires and we're in Southern California and the weed's growing high and I'm having a good time. And, you know, we, <laughs> we always, we had our own ways of keeping our heads together to deal with each other, you know, man. Um, like the 50th or 60th take of nothing else matters in the same room together. Yeah, you know, after a while, my... <laughs> The little test on your freaking metal, M-E-T-T-L-E, -T -T -E, test on your metal. But uh, other than that, I, I, without us knowing it, dude, without us knowing it, all that time we spent in that room facing each other and with the microscope on and really having to pay attention and, and be aware and be, uh, you know, have our agility and our mm, under the microscope, that built us. That built us as a team for, to go out on this tour. And I don't think that we realized that until way, way later. Yeah. You know, like we were, we, we would have our little arguments. Dude, how come you're taking so long? And why do we have to wait for you? And these kind of things that happens in brotherhoods, you know, in families. Yes. But because we were able to withstand each other's shit, we made it possible for us to go and really crush when we went to 50 countries or whatever we did. <laughs> Great. Right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I saw you back then, obviously. You know, yeah. uh, there you go. Everybody had to see the, 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 the tour. <laughs> it was a given. Right. Uh, exactly. Before. You got together in order to do this record. Was your mind set upon this direction to go slower yet heavier? To go a little bit, I got to put it like, you know, in, in, in um, yeah. it, it, more commercial. And I just mm -hmm. to, to say it out flat. Uh, or did it just come up during the writing process? There's so many elements at play here, dude. You know, <laughs> think about it. There really a lot, a lot of a lot of moving parts, you know? Yeah. Like all the, uh, the work that those guys did on tour before I got into the band, the work that we to get, did together between Justice and this album was like three and a half, four some years. And we we're on the road most of the time 
earning everyone's respect and building the foundation of the following. You know what I'm saying? That took a while, but all of that hard work set us up for this next big step. The managers and all the powers that be saw that opportunity, saw the, the rise of the popularity. Let's get a proper producer in here. Okay. That has the ears. Okay. So let's, let's talk about what's real here for a minute. We offered this guy, we asked him, invited him to come into our camp because of his pedigree, because of his abilities, yeah. right? Because of what he had already done, the weight he was able to get in other records, even though if it's not your favorite band, Bon Jovi and Motley Crue, it's not my favorite bands, but, but it's still like uh, um, Dr. Feelgood sounds killer yeah. and it's got a bunch of great, sonically, it's awesome, yeah? And so somebody that comes in, like that uh, infiltrating, as it were, we invited it. Yeah, we we still had to we still had to keep our guard up as the four of us, <clears throat> and he had to come in posturing what you know as one person with Randy Staub as his assistant. Mm-hmm. But we had to the the planets had to collide a little bit before they aligned. You know, yeah. it had to, we had we had to earn each other's respect to become that team to create that thing. Bob's goal was to capture us how he experienced us live. And he didn't feel that the weight had been captured yet. And he, he knows how to do it. A lot of cats can talk it. A lot of guys can say, oh, I turned this in the compressor and this and that. But if you really know about microphones and you really know about frequency science and all the shit that makes it sound like it does, right? He did. Yeah. And he proved it. To us. So he wasn't just talking. He showed us he could actually do it with the volume, with the sonics of it. Yeah. So I'm not sure how conscious of a thing it was where we say, oh, we're going to all of a sudden not do such progressive stuff or super fast or anything like that. Yeah, that's the that's the writing that was taking place after all of those years and all of that accelerated lifestyle of the four years between Injustice and the Black Album. You know, you're going 100 mile an hour the whole damn time. Right. You don't really (laughs) you're, you're taking in you're taking in so much world and so much life every day, way more than the average person. Yeah. So and that you go through all of that, then you got all of this to and spit back out that's going to be the music, right? You put a bunch in, and you have to put a bunch out. So if James said we happen to be listening to more Caius, or we're listening to more Sabbath, or we're listening to more Corrosion, or we're listening to whatever happens to be with the heavy slabby shit, then that influences you yeah. as a player, right? Whatever you put in. So that's what came out. There was more, my, my take on it now, now that all the dust has settled a bit and we have a chance to look at it in our hindsight, I feel that we, we caged this giant thing that was already, it was just about out of control. It's got how much farther and faster and longer of a song and stupidity can you actually do with all these stops and starts and silliness? Yeah. yeah. We took all of that power and dialed it back and then caged it, like compressed it, literally and figuratively, compressed it to make it go, mm, have that weight, just waiting to bust out, right? We already knew that we had the fast and the, the, the all, that's all in our quiver. We have all of that ability. We already proved we have all the ability. Now let's show we can do this weight too. So with Bob Rock to guide us on how mm-hmm. to achieve that weight, right? Mm-hmm. That was the key. So those things kind of all fell in place. If you ask James and Lars about the songwriting thing, and they can tell you that we consciously put it down to 105 beats instead of 125, we want to do this and that, I doubt if that's the deal. 
I think that it's yet, that was the feel that was happening, the weight and the thing. And Lars wanted to simplify that one big bass drum goes a lot farther than a whole bunch of them in this kind of music. Dropping the weight. The word is the weight of it. You know, so that's uh, it just transpired as the people in power set us up for success. We were able to grab it by the neck. You know, you obviously you agreed to success. But did you agree on the music at first? All you guys in the band. Um, I love Sad But True from the get-go, no yeah. matter what. All right. That no matter what anybody says forever, you know. And I just started really working a lot with multi-string, you know, five and six-string basses and stuff. And I was all about, man, being able to lay it down on the biggest string and get as fat as I possibly could with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Being hurt, finally, like, I had 10 more times of, like, uh, uh, what do I need? Desire to be heard. Uh, and be felt, be felt even. So that was uh, kind of a redemption, you know, quite a bit yeah. of that for me. Yeah. But as far as um, I had no problem with coming back to the the mid-tempo crushing as opposed to the fast stuff, because we still got plenty of stuff fast to play live. And that's what all the live is all that mattered to me anyway, yeah. still um, so, so we still had the repertoire to be able to do all that all the time with battery and fight fire and anything you wanted along with the softer songs. The one catch I think that I would say here is that nothing else matters was such a personal song for James, you know, like a really, the, some of them are I'm quite personal. God that failed and some all about fade to black all through time. Very personal, but one of the best lyricists there's ever been in any style of music ever. This guy, you know, that mm. he's amazing. And that song was so personal about him and his and his special person. So when I first heard it, it's like, are we sure that we want to share that with the world? Isn't that your song for your girl? You know, and like, and everybody's going, that that's a pretty fucking good song. I mean, these are probably, <laughs> usually if we like it that much, a lot of other people are going to like it. That's what we found out. If we keep our standard up here and we play to that standard, mostly everybody's going to like it. So put that on there and the crazy thing dude i've said this a few times i'm doing these interviews the last few weeks i'm discovering so much like your first question you know i'm uncovering more wonderful memories and wonderful facts than ever of anything negative yeah that's right good. So, yeah so so realizing but realizing what actually happened not because when you're in it when you're in it in the center of it you're like what it's all whirling like that anyway how are you supposed to keep you know what i mean you're just trying to do your best so when you finally come back and think about, okay, let's, so we went out on a tour and we started a few days before the album come out, August 12th of 1991. And we were already playing in Denmark on August 10th, right? So we're playing the album right before people were able to hear it. Balls. But because we did it in Denmark, we get away with anything. We fart in the microphone and they're like, yay! It wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Not, not any diss to them. I'm just saying they were down with the band, you know? So we could always do anything in Denmark and get away with it and, and, and be uh, and be better for it. So uh, we're out on tour for a couple of months. Like Sandman, I guess, was the first. You can correct me if I'm wrong, okay? But Sandman was the first single. Yeah. And then there might have been something. And then, and then Nothing Else Matters showed up like some months later, once we were already out on the tour for some months, yeah? Yeah. Uh, and we were played up to you know, 27 or 32 countries at that point. And, you played and, the ACDC um, tour, right? Yeah, and, and that's yeah. and that's how we got to play so many countries by supporting bands <laughs> like that. Yeah. And got exposed to those people. So all of a sudden, when the nothing else matters comes out, 
there's, uh, you know, the guy comes into the dressing room that tells us what's happening for the day. And he said, uh, nothing else matters is number one in 30 countries this week. And we're looking around like, wait, what the fuck? What? And so, so there's people that are calling representatives from promoters and radio stations and all this stuff from countries we haven't played yet that we haven't been in live. Right. But all of a sudden there's this dun, 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 nice song. These guys are great. Have them come over and play for our kids. Right. And like, are you sure about that? So they, they could all of a sudden, all these people come out of the woodwork. Can you come and play? Nothing else matters for us. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's six minutes out of two and a half hours. Guess what's going to happen for the other two and a half, 20 minutes, man. It's going to be fight fire and battery. And da, 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 da. The, my point being the softest song that Metallica ever made ever broke down the most serious walls ever yeah. to be able to, to be able to take creeping death and everything else through to the people. Yeah. It couldn't have had, it couldn't have happened the other way. You work in radio, you know, what's going on. Man. <laughs> Hell yeah. back, and back then, especially how could that have happened? That fight fire could have broke the, the wall down for nothing else matters. It's not possible unless it's college radio or some yeah. kind of thing, not any kind of major airwaves movement and effect. So, Fade to Black already existed. I saw your eyes rolling. Fade to Black <laughs> already existed. And, and Orion and that stuff already existed. Yeah. But they get heavy as fuck at the end. They get scary at the end. They don't just la 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 through it. And and the the subject matter of Fade to Black and stuff, it's heavy all the way. Yeah. It's heavy lyric. It's heavy music. It's heavy, heavy. Heavy feeling, heavy emotion, right? Nothing else matters is delicate. It's a love song. Yeah. It's a fuck love song. Dude, do you know how many, I'm going to say by now, since we're 30 years in, I'm going to say hundreds of thousands of couples getting married have used Nothing Else Matters as their wedding song all across the globe. It's a love song. It's Our love song bashed down all the walls for us to go through and all the millions of bands that have followed since then. Yeah. Think about Think about it. Just like ACDC and Iron Maiden did for us. If there wouldn't have been Motorhead, ACDC and Iron Maiden bashing down the walls through the 80s for Metallica to step in and take the baton and move on with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The flag, buy the flag and go run with it. If they wouldn't uh, at least cut the roads roughly for us through some of those places, we wouldn't have been able to go there. So let's make sure that we pay respect and think about the chronology of things as they made it possible for us. We made it possible for millions more. Yeah. yeah that's true. It's a big, it's a big deal, dude. It's a big deal. <laughs> Mr. Newstead, how do you, how do you re, you know, release a, a, a new approach to a black record, a record that has been perfectly produced? Why mm, you know? I like, how do you what 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 kind of knobs do you what kind of buttons do you push in order to make that better? <laughs> I, that's the best question I've heard in three weeks. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I, said the best, I said the best question. The best uh, question. That is a great question. How do you fix something that sounds so good already? And I don't have an answer for you because <laughs> it, it, it's perfect for me. You know, it's 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 perfect for me. Um, I guess. 
I mean, technologically, I would not know how to answer that. <laughs> I would the way that I would answer it. Uh, I think maybe the around the corner question inside that question is um, how do you keep it appealing or make it interesting or intriguing for people that already are super familiar with it and yeah. it's in their blood, yeah. or more importantly, where I think I want to go with the answer is that generationally, you know, people just keep coming to the album. Yeah. So there's, there's people that are our age that are grandfathers and then their sons have it. And then their sons have it. And they all learned the riff for Enter Sandman when it came up on mm. guitar. So there's a certain impact on things, you know, over time, but um, I don't know how you improve on something so great. I think it's about the appreciation of what was achieved being a part yeah. of the appreciation because you were a part of it then and you're a part of it now. So generationally, that makes people feel strong. And the reason that Metallica, I'm going to go with the main reason mm. Metallica is what it is, is because it makes the people involved feel like they're a part of something so much greater than themselves. And to be involved in something that's so massive, when you, you know, everybody together, and we're, whether we're five or 50,000 across the field, right? Master, master, right? Louder than the fucking PA, right? <laughs> always, that, that takes always. The, that they, right, right. So when, and you felt that right then, when I said that to you, you felt that, right? You yeah. felt that because you've been there. So when, when you feel a part of something, I'm included in this, I'm included with you in this. When you feel a part of something so grand, that's so much greater than yourself, but you're involved and there's other other people like me, you know, and I feel strong because of it. Yeah. yeah. That's why is what it is. We're not the only band to have that. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we have the most of it. <laughs> <laughs> you pretty much did and do. That's, that's true. Uh, one last question, just real quick. When, you know, apart from COVID and everything that's going on in the pandemic, Uh, is there a chance or a possibility to see you playing live over here with any sort of band, like anytime? Absolutely. Yes. Good. Glad to hear that. And yeah, you asked me if there. Are you, so you're saying there's a chance? Yeah, and there's, <laughs> it's one in a million. Oh, I'm um, saying this. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm I'm busy, you know, with music all the time. And right, I wrote so many songs during this uh, lockdown thing, yeah. but I'm pretty happy. And I have a strong band formed the chop house band you know the drummer's been with me for six years or so and um we got some years under our belt and some tunes i'm very confident about you know i'm, I'm feeling a lot better about my singing all um, right i do very very little of the doy anymore it's more like uh actual trying to sing and sing and stuff so and a lot of different imitation you know calling people violins and mandolins and all these different things to get different color and chasing different music like i always have um, it still does get scary. It still does get heavy. Um, but, but that covers a lot more ground these days. That's all. all so right. the chop house, band, the chop house band is destined to uh, play some shows for some people. eventually. Nice. Very nice. Yes. I think we have our third. Yeah. The, sorry. But the, the chop house band, uh, the chop house studio has its 30th anniversary in January. Oh. See, because the black album is well, the chop house that the black album built, you know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's how it happened. So they go hand in hand. Yeah. So for my, my first checks from the black album, uh, built the chop house. And so January of 1992 was the origin of the chop house. We're coming up on our 30th as well. So 
the Chop House Band is going to do 30th anniversary shows as well. <laughs> there you go. That's funny. Very nice. Thank you very much. And uh, well, hope to see you real soon. Thank you for your time. I Take love your care. shirt. Keep it up. <laughs> Fly the flag. Fly the flag. We'll try our Bless best. You, Bless you, Thomas. Oops. Thank you, brother. Bye-bye. Whole Lot of Talk, the interviews that rock. Subscribe to our channel for more rockin' podcasts.